welcome to the fifth episode of the Carolina Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Turner, and got a special episode for you today. Obviously, big game coming up in Chapel Hill this weekend against the visiting Virginia Tech Hokies, and uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. Here to preview that game, obviously a, a big game, not only in the ACC for Carolina football, but also just a big game in general for the program, a night game in Chapel Hill at Keenan Stadium, 7 p.m. kickoff, and hopefully this hurricane doesn't affect it too much. First and foremost, prayers out to everybody being affected by the hurricane. Hopefully it won't have too big of an effect here in the Chapel Hill area, but we'll just have to wait and see. But more importantly, I'm looking forward to this game. I will definitely be there on Saturday night, and I hope there's a ton of Carolina fans there in attendance, excited and ready to watch the Tar Heels uh, come out and play. A second home game of the season. It's been a definitely been a, a pretty weird year for football, especially in this area. I know Hurricane Florence obviously canceling the UCF game, so this technically should be Carolina's third home game of the season, and hopefully the football program will get one rescheduled for the end of the season at some point soon, but as of right now, has not happened yet. But week seven of, of the football season, and Carolina's playing only their second home game of the year, so has been a bit of a weird year. Obviously, uh, the bye week as well last week had something to do with that as well, but this Carolina team, I'm hoping, is excited to get back out there and, and just play. It's been, been a weird season, like I said before, and I'm looking forward to seeing this football team come out for a primetime game at, uh, at night on ESPN. So looking forward to this one, expecting a big crowd not only on the Carolina side, but also on the Virginia Tech side, they're a fan base that, that travel very well, and it's going to be a packed Keenan Stadium, I'm hoping, and like I said, weather permitting, this could be a really, really special atmosphere at Keenan Stadium Saturday night, but, so I know I've run this by y'all last episode, and I had tweeted a little bit on at Carolina Talk Pod, but was supposed to have one of my good friends uh, on today, who's a diehard Virginia Tech fan, but unfortunately, he had to fly out of the state for a few days, so won't have him on for this preview podcast, but we'll have him on for the review podcast coming next week, early in the week sometime, where we'll discuss the, hopefully, the Carolina victory over Virginia Tech this weekend. But moving on to the game, obviously some big storylines before we even jump into it coming out of Chapel Hill this week. Reports coming out yesterday that quarterback Chaz Surratt is set to miss the remainder of the season as having surgery on his wrist that he supposedly hurt in the Miami game a couple weeks ago. So didn't hear much about this injury until yesterday. I, I assumed Chaz Surratt had been practicing over the, the past few weeks. Maybe it's something that over time he finally really just had to get checked out because it wasn't getting any better and discovered he had torn ligaments in there. So looks like Chaz Surratt is set to miss the remainder of the season. And it's an unfortunate thing to hear from a Tar Heel perspective. Chaz Surratt, a guy that obviously didn't perform very well in the Miami game was his first game back. He had been running with the scout team earlier in the year, obviously because of that suspension. But Chaz Surratt out for the season and really only leaves a couple options at quarterback now. Obviously, Nathan Elliott looks set to start, which we'll dive into a little bit more here in a second. Looks set to start against Virginia Tech and then obviously got two freshmen in Cade Fortin and Jace Reuter. Looks like Cade Fortin will be the backup. But there were also reports yesterday that Cade Fortin will see the field this weekend reported that he was supposed to actually play against Pittsburgh but that did not happen obviously because Nathan Elliott played pretty solid in that game a Tar Heel victory in the end but reports coming out that Cade Fortin was supposed to play in that game didn't happen because Elliott performed really well and then obviously Surratt came back in that Miami game Fortin went back to the third string quarterback option 
That's why you saw a lot of Surratt in that game. But based on how both Elliott performed and Surratt performed, not to mention he's out for the season now. So really just based on how Elliott performed against Miami and has really performed for a majority of this season, looks like Cade Fortin won't start. I would be shocked if Cade Fortin started. I think 100% you'll see Nathan Elliott given the opportunity. But if Elliott's not getting it done and doesn't play or doesn't put up similar numbers to like he did against Pittsburgh, which don't make no mistakes about it, this Virginia Tech team, while they've had some weird results and some weird losses this season, they're still a lot better football team than Pittsburgh. So it's going to be a lot steeper competition and one of the toughest teams that Elliott has played this season. So not really quite sure what to expect from Nathan Elliott. But as a Carolina fan, and I think most Carolina fans would agree with me at this point, I'd like to see the true freshman Cade Fortin come in. Obviously, you know how the saying goes, the backup quarterback is everybody's favorite player. But my big thing is, based on what we've seen this season from the quarterback options ahead of him, it's pretty unlikely that Fortin can come in and do any worse than they did, especially in that Miami game where six turnovers split between Surratt and Elliott. So I know there's a lot of people have been talking about one of the things you can do with freshmen is if you throw them in too early, you can give them this PTSD kind of feeling where they come in, they don't play well, and that can really affect the rest of their college career. And while I can't understand that, I don't necessarily agree with that. Cade Fortin was a four-star recruit, originally committed to Texas A&M before Jimbo Fisher signed the contract to come in. That's when he decommitted and switched his commitment to the University of North Carolina, where he's at now, obviously. And Cade Fortin's a good quarterback. Jace Ruder's a good quarterback, too. Obviously, a four-star guy. He grew up in a little bit different of a situation, obviously, coming from Kansas, not playing against the level of competition that Cade Fortin played against in Georgia, where he grew up. But Cade Fortin actually missed his whole senior season with a knee injury, or most of his senior season, I believe, with a knee injury. So really hasn't played a lot of football since his junior year. That is one thing that could hold him back a little bit. But from what we saw in the short snippet against ECU, where Cade Fortin came in late in that game, he has a lot bigger arm than both Surratt and Elliott. And we only saw a few throws by him, but Fortin definitely has the biggest arm threat out of everybody we've seen this season, Elliott, Surratt, and himself. So I'm looking forward to see what Fortin can do when he comes in this game, and hopefully he does make an appearance. I'm kind of split right now because I know Elliott's going to start. I love for Elliott to come in and play well and not have a reason for him to be taken out, but at the same time, I know and I'm very confident that Fortin has a better upside than Elliott, mainly because of his arm strength, which we've discussed in previous podcasts before. I hate to slate Nathan Elliott like that, but when it really comes down to it, he just doesn't have that elite arm strength that you need in a Power 5 conference. And right away, after watching about two, three minutes of Cade Fortin um, play against ECU and also looking back at some of his high school tape, he is just a pro-style quarterback. He can run the ball, but he has a pro-style arm that can really help this Carolina offense open up opposing defenses. We haven't seen that this year because Carolina doesn't have that downfield threat. It's not that they don't have the receivers for it. Anthony Ratliff-Williams, De'Ami Brown, Daz Newsome, even Bo Corrales, Thomas Jackson, these guys have the ability to open defenses up with their speed and with their intelligent route running and their athleticism as well. But the problem is, is we haven't had a quarterback that can consistently deliver that deep ball to where it needs to be. And I think Fortin, based on what I've seen, like I said, from a, a quick snippet against ECU and from his high school tape, he definitely has a lot stronger arm than both Elliott and I'd say Surratt too. I think Surratt has a pretty strong arm himself, but his accuracy is just not there. And with him being out for the season, 
Cade Fortin's the guy that needs to come in and at least be given an opportunity. So we'll see how that goes. But was very surprised to see those two reports come out about Surratt and Fortin. Larry Fedora, a guy that usually not much gets out of his camp. But this week, things have changed a little bit and have to give a shout out to Inside Carolina and Tar Heel Illustrated. That's where I got these little tidbits and these little press releases of information. So great reporting on their end, and I'm excited and happy to see guys going in there. They're at practice every day. They fall in this football program, but one thing I've been critical of from a media standpoint is guys don't really seem to put these breaking stories out. A lot of it's just what Larry Fedora said, what the coaches are saying after, and we all know this Larry Fedora coaching staff, they're not going to let you know much. That's just how they run. I don't disagree with it. It's definitely annoying from a fan standpoint because you want to know as much about the program as you can and and really want to keep up with it if you're a diehard like myself. But you can understand it from a coaching perspective because when it comes down to it, football is a competitive sport. You play to win. And giving your team any advantage that you can, like Larry Fedora says, by keeping everything in-house, not releasing information to the public because if the public can see it, well, the opposing team can see it as well. And on Saturdays, that's going to give them an advantage too. So sorry to rant about that real quick, but great reporting from the Inside Carolina and Tar Heel Illustrated reporters out there. Glad to see some stuff like that being done. And hopefully we'll see some more big scoops like that coming up in the near future. But like you guys came to this podcast for, let's dive right into this Virginia Tech preview. Obviously the Hokies right now sitting at 3-2 and two on this season opened up with a big 24-3 win over, at the time, a number 19-ranked FSU. We all know how their season has just not happened or has not played out like you would expect a Florida State season to play out, at least so far. Gave Miami a run for their money last week, but in the long run still ended up losing that game. So that win not as big as we first thought in the beginning of the season. Then they played William & Mary at home, blew them out 62-17. to And then ECU game got canceled because of Hurricane Florence. Then Virginia Tech travels down to ODU and loses 49-35. to I don't believe ODU has won another game this season besides that one. Lost to the backup quarterback who, as he admitted after the game, grew up a lifelong Virginia Tech fan. So I actually watched the whole FSU game, the first game of the season, and I watched about the second half of the ODU game and... I'll go into a little VT preview in a little bit, but I think this VT team is very susceptible on defense, and we'll dive into that a little bit more in a second. Then a couple weeks ago, the Hokies traveled to Durham to play the Dukies, came out on top there 31-14 against a a really solid Duke team. This is a Duke team that's impressed me this season, but I I said it after the ODU game. There was no way Virginia Tech was going to go down to Durham and lose after that upset at ODU in Norfolk, so... Get that 31-14 victory over the number 22-ranked Dukies at the time. And then last weekend, the 6th-ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish at Lane Stadium in Blacksburg, Virginia. And I watched most of that game. I actually watched all of that game as well, doing a little bit more of a scouting on this VT team. Obviously, the Hokies dropped that game 45-23. to But let me first say that that atmosphere at Lane Stadium was absolutely electric. I would love to see Keenan Stadium thumping like that. But in the 10-plus years that I've been going to games, I've never quite seen an atmosphere like that. Maybe the NC State game where Gio Bernard took the punt return to the house. That's the loudest I've ever heard Keenan Stadium. But nothing quite like that Lane Stadium atmosphere against Notre Dame. What a game day experience that is. I had the opportunity about four or five years ago to travel up to Lane Stadium and absolutely love the Blacksburg area. Uh, I was at the VT-UNC game, obviously, and beautiful stadium up there. Beautiful atmosphere. Fans are 
very passionate about their Hokies and just a really nice, really nice area up there and a, a really nice football culture that Virginia Tech has and something that I envy a little bit and wish Carolina would have a little bit more of. But as we know, Carolina struggled to win consistently. That's something Virginia Tech really hasn't had to deal with. So if Carolina can start winning, I think we'll start seeing this culture at North Carolina turn around a little bit and maybe shape itself like the Hokies do up in Blacksburg. But back to the game. Virginia Tech did not look good in that Notre Dame game. They started off the game pretty well, played pretty well up until the second half, and then a few catastrophic plays just ended up killing the Hokies defensively, and Notre Dame pretty much ended up running away with this game, coming out as 22-point victors, 45-223. So let's focus a little bit on this Virginia Tech team. Um, the Hokies right now, like I said, sitting on 3-2 and two of the season. Some weird losses, some decent wins as well. But biggest takeaway from watching the Hokies this season, I've pretty much watched, I think, in total two full games, the FSU game and the Notre Dame game. But I've also had the opportunity to watch them against Duke and ODU a little bit. And from this Virginia Tech team is that their defensive secondary is really just not very good this season. They're very young, got a lot of young players in the secondary there. Obviously, Bud Foster, defensive coordinator for the Hokies, is always going to do a good job schematically changing schemes up, giving you different looks. It's always difficult to play against this defense, but especially during that Notre Dame game, you could really tell that this secondary was just not ready for the big-time game like that. They're not great covering 1v1, and in that game against Notre Dame, if you really go back and watch every Notre Dame touchdown, maybe besides one, two at the most, every touchdown that Notre Dame scored and every point that Notre Dame scored was mainly because of mistakes solely in the secondary where guys were, you know, making moves, committing to a wide receiver when, you know, a safety committing to a wide receiver when he should have stayed back or a cornerback simply getting beat on the run, safeties shifting to one side of the field and leaving a man wide open on the other side. So one of the biggest things that I think Carolina needs to do going into this game or needs to focus on in their game plan is trying to exploit this Virginia Tech secondary because as a team, that's their biggest weakness. They just really have a very young secondary, not experienced enough, and and really just at times this season have looked like they had no idea what was going on. Obviously, playing its top 10 team in Notre Dame is going to be tough for any team in the country, but you could really tell how inexperienced and how young this Virginia Tech secondary was in that game because they just let up catastrophic play after catastrophic play. And for a Bud Foster defense, you just don't expect things to happen like that. But statistically, this Virginia Tech defense during the season is actually sitting at 55 in total defense in the country right now. Um, have let up close to 2,000 yards with 1,990. And um, 14, a little bit over 1,400 of those have come through the air. And have only let up 500 rushing yards on the season. So been a pretty good year defensively for Virginia Tech. Obviously, those passing yards are a pretty glaring number, something that you wouldn't expect from a Bud Foster defense, but they do defend the run really well. So that's something that worries me going into this Carolina game. But I am confident in the likes of Antonio Williams, in the likes of Michael Carter, because I think they are two of the best backs in the ACC. And thankfully for us, they're both our running backs. So I would hope that our Carolina offense can do some good things on the ground against them, but it's going to be probably the toughest run defense that they've seen this season besides Miami, who we all know has just had a spectacular season defensively for the most part. So this Virginia Tech team letting up about 26 points per game. So I've had a decent season sitting above average and at 55th in the country, 
right now. So we'll see what happens going into this game. But I think statistically looking at this defense, you don't look at it and, and, and fear them. I think Carolina's offensively, especially if they can find a quarterback in Elliott or Fortin, should be confident going to this game knowing that they can put up some points, especially through the air. And that's one of the main reasons I'd really like to see Cade Fortin given an opportunity because he has a lot better arm strength, like I've said before. And he has, it looks like, a little bit better of a deep ball than Nathan Elliott does as well, which I think with this weakness in the Virginia Tech secondary can really open some things up for Carolina on offense. Virginia Tech's best defensive player this season uh, has been Rashard Ashby. Has really done a great job this year. He's really been involved with about 40 total tackles this season. Leads Virginia Tech statistically at the linebacker position. So that's a guy I fear for sure. Be sure to watch number 23, Rashard Ashby for the Hokies. He's a great player, and uh, we'll, I'm sure you'll you'll see a lot of him on Saturday night. Now let's switch our focus over to the Virginia Tech offense. Currently, total offense ranking in the country is 58th. And for those that are wondering, to compare that to Carolina's offensive ranking this season, Carolina's currently sitting at 128th in the country right now. 128th in the country right now offensively so not a good year for Carolina obviously the Heels have played one less game than Virginia Tech so that might move them up a little bit but unless you're throwing and, and rushing for about 800 yards of total offense Carolina's not going to get anywhere close to the 50s anytime soon until they really start to turn this season around but offensively the Hokies are good they're solid they're not great I think Ryan Willis has stepped in for, for Josh Jackson who obviously broke his leg in that old Dominion game and Ryan Willis a Kansas transfer who's actually at Kansas Started there for a year, didn't win a single game. Obviously, Kansas football doing a little bit better this season, but overall is one of the worst programs in the country at the Division One level. So Ryan Willis transferred in from Kansas and got the starting position when Josh Jackson got injured. And like I said, has done a decent job. He has a really solid arm, can throw pretty much any pass in the book, can go downfield deep, can throw the short passes. He kind of reminds me of a Cam Newton in the way he throws the short passes because there's really only one speed with him, like Cam Newton. If you ever watch Cam Newton throw, you know, a 10-yard slant across the middle, he's throwing it as hard as he can, and Ryan Willis pretty much does that too. There's really no time where he's letting up a little bit on the ball. If, if, if a guy is open, he's throwing a bullet pass in there. So I think Ryan Willis has done a good job this year, 61 for 104, about 830 yards on the season. Um, he's had a good good year. He's thrown on average this year for about 140 yards, but that's only really been in the Duke game and Notre Dame game of the two games he started this year. So through two games, nothing crazy, but Willis has played pretty well, and I think he will cause some problems for this Carolina defense, but he doesn't really scare me as much as the likes of Josh Jackson just because of Jackson's ability to scramble outside of the pocket. Ryan Willis is more of a pro-style quarterback and a guy that not as athletic as Josh Jackson, but probably has a little bit better accuracy and arm strength than the likes of Jackson. But one guy I was really impressed with, especially watching the Notre Dame game, is Damon Hazleton. I think Damon Hazleton is Virginia Tech's star wide receiver by far. Kind of reminds me, if I had to compare him to a Carolina player, would be Quinshad Davis. Played at Carolina, obviously. I'm sure everybody knows who Quinshad Davis is. A great wide receiver for the Tar Heels. He's actually currently on the Carolina football coaching staff right now. But you'll see similar things from Damon Hazleton. Uh, for the Hokies that you would see from Quinshaw Davis. You know, Quinshaw was a possession receiver for Carolina. He was kind of that safety guy for Marquise Williams and the likes of Bryn Renner as well. When they needed a completion, you could look towards Quinshaw, and most of the time he was open. But, yeah, Damon Hazleton, 
Washington against Notre Dame, he had a, a great game. Caught about 27 balls this year for close to 500 yards. That's 17 uh, yards per catch, close to 18 yards per catch. Um, five touchdowns on the season. The season long is 72-yard touchdown. So Damon Hazleton is a guy that I would expect you'll see matched up with the likes of K.J. Sales, maybe even Patrice Rene because of Hazleton's height. Hazleton is a little bit taller and would have a little bit more of a height advantage on the likes of K.J. Sales. But regardless of who he's matched up with, I am worried about Hazleton's ability because he's a guy that against Notre Dame, uh, one of the best teams in the country, was pretty much open whenever he wanted to get open. So Carolina's going to really have to cue in on him. Virginia Tech not really offering a lot in the running game. Their running game really doesn't scare me too much. I think they brand this season for 400 to 500 yards. I don't have the stats right in front of me right now, unfortunately, but haven't really done a lot rushing the ball. They don't really try to run the ball too much anyway. You're going to see Willis get the ball a lot in the shotgun and throw that ball, a lot of run pass options, stuff like that. So expect Virginia Tech more times than not to be throwing the ball. And I think, unfortunately, from a Carolina defense, I think Carolina stops the run a little bit more consistently, at least this season, than they've stopped the pass. But overall, as we know, Carolina defensively really hasn't performed well since the first game of the season at California. But offensively, overall, Virginia Tech is solid, and they're not great. And looking at them defensively, I'd say they're a little bit more weak on the defensive side than you would typically see from a Virginia Tech team. But overall, this is a solid Virginia Tech team that are going to cause some problems for Carolina for sure on Saturday night. But let's switch over to the Carolina perspective. This is the Carolina Talk podcast. So I think we need to talk about Carolina a little bit. But Tar Heels, unfortunately, not a lot to talk about this season positively, but Carolina sitting at 1-3 on the season right now. Obviously 1-1, one one, fourth place in the Coastal Division in the ACC. But this Carolina team overall has had a pretty disappointing, well, last year and a half really. Over the past two seasons, football program has definitely struggled a lot. And hopefully this Virginia Tech game will provide a little bit of a boost for this Carolina football team going forward, especially if they can come out with a big victory over the Hokies on Saturday night. Three main takeaways, like I always do with my podcast, is there's three things that I'm really going to be watching heavily and three keys to the game, I feel, that Carolina needs to be focused on if they want to come out victorious over the Hokies. So first biggest thing I'm going to be looking at is who will start at quarterback. Not only who will start, but who will get a majority of the snaps at quarterback. Obviously, like we've discussed, Chaz Surratt out for the season, so he's out of the fold. It really only leaves you with the likes of Nathan Elliott and Cade Fortin, Jace Reuter, another freshman that could potentially play, but very unlikely that you'll see any reps for Jace Reuter in this game. And instead, I think you're going to see Cade Fortin as the backup to Nathan Elliott. Now, if I had to make a prediction based on what I've seen so far this season, I'd say that you're probably going to see Nathan Elliott start the game. Unfortunately, I don't think he'll perform to the level that we'll need from a quarterback from the quarterback position to beat Virginia Tech. And then I think at some point, probably before halftime, to be honest with you, you'll see the likes of Cade Fortin at least given an opportunity. Now, I'm not sure if Larry Fedora plans on splitting reps with Nathan Elliott, kind of like what you saw against Miami with Elliott and Surratt. But obviously, it's been announced that Fortin is going to play. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Fortin giving the reins, but I would be very, very surprised 
to see him start over Nathan Elliott. I think you'll see Nathan Elliott give him one more opportunity. And if he takes advantage, more power to him. And if he doesn't, well, let's do Cade Fortin and, and see what happens. So biggest takeaway from number one, Elliott will start at quarterback. Really no doubt about that in my mind. But you will see Cade Fortin in this game. And hopefully he comes in and does a really good job for this team. Um, second biggest thing I'm looking for going into this game is what defense will show up for the Tar Heels. This has been a problem for Carolina really all throughout Larry Fedora's reign as the Tar Heel coach. Carolina just hasn't been very good defensively in his six years at the University of North Carolina. But I'm curious to see what defense shows up on Saturday night because, like I said, Carolina played really, really well against California, and I was really excited going in to the rest of the season based on how they played. Now, one of the biggest reasons that they played so well is because they didn't have any suspended guys. They had a healthy Miles Dorn. They had a healthy secondary, which they've been struggling with for the past three weeks or so. Um, Aaron Crawford obviously didn't play. That's a guy we'll hopefully have back on Saturday night because that'll be a huge boost for this Carolina defensive line. But since that California game, this defense just hasn't performed very well. Hit or miss against Pittsburgh, still letting up 35 points to a Pittsburgh team that's, I mean, let's be honest, not very good. Isn't the greatest statistically, but they did perform really well in that second half and after they made some adjustments. But they're definitely going to need to play the best game they've played all season to really have a chance against this Virginia Tech team. Not that Virginia Tech is great offensively, like I've said before, but I mean, they are a lot better than what they've seen for the most part this season from any other team. So defensively, I'm curious to see who shows up. Looks like Miles Dorn should be back for the Tar Heels. I'd be shocked if he's not. There were rumors that he could have played against Miami, but they just kind of wanted to give him another bye week and then put him out when he's really, really healthy and fully back to 100%, which is hopefully this weekend against Virginia Tech. There's also rumors that Aaron Crawford will be back, the big defensive tackle for North Carolina who's missed uh, the whole season so far with the knee injury that he suffered in preseason. So Aaron Crawford and Miles Dorn being back for the Tar Heels is a big boost. KJ Sales didn't play against Miami. Would be really surprised if KJ Sales was in the back in this game. So as you see some guys starting to return to the fold, you kind of look at it and say, okay, maybe this Carolina team is defensively is getting some players back that will totally change the outlook of this defense. Because like I said, they played really well in the first game of the season, and that's because they had everybody besides Crawford. So now that you've got pretty much everybody besides the likes of Timon Fox, who's uh, still serving his suspension, back playing for the Tar Heels, then you add Aaron Crawford to that fold. Well, this could be a, a totally different Carolina defense, and hopefully from a Tar Heel perspective, it turns out to be that way. But really, really curious to see what defense shows up, because if they don't show up on Saturday night, this game could get ugly quick, unfortunately. Third biggest thing I want to look at going into this game is will this team continue to fight or give up if things go bad? Let's say Carolina, God forbid, gets behind 14-0 early in the first quarter. Is this team going to fold or are they going to fight? You know, one of the biggest things that I think we saw last year from this team, even with those 20 or so injuries of guys out for the season, this team wasn't the most talented at that point. They had so many young guys playing, so many, you know, second string, third string guys that were not ready to play for the Tar Heels playing, but they never really gave up. They always fought hard in games, maybe besides the Virginia Tech game last year and Georgia Tech arguably earlier in the season. As this team continued to go on and struggled and found it hard to win games, can never really look at them and say they weren't fighting hard. So my biggest takeaway is if they things don't go well and it's looking like Carolina's going to improve to 1-4 on the season, 
does this Carolina team fold? Do they go against the coaching staff? Do you start to see guys making dumb mistakes, looking like they just don't care out there anymore? Or will this team continue to stand up and fight and work hard in hopes of turning this season around? But hopefully we don't even have to worry about that. My biggest thing and my prediction for this game is that I think Carolina is going to come in and play the best game they've played this season, not only because I don't think this Virginia Tech team is great, but a bye week before this game is going to help them prepare offensively and defensively for the Hokies. And 7 o'clock game at Keenan Stadium on ESPN, that's primetime football. That's what you come to the ACC. That's why you come to Carolina to play. You come to play in big games like this. So I'm hoping that this team will show up this weekend and the fans will show up this weekend to support this team because if we want it to be as a fan base, we can make this Keenan Stadium atmosphere electric, absolutely electric. Now, will we do it? I'm not too confident in it because based on what I've seen over the past few years, and I know it has a lot to do with this team not winning, winning, as everybody says, as the cliche goes, solves everything. But as a fan base, I think Carolina on the football side should really be ashamed of themselves. I'm Regardless of how this season's going, me and my family are going to show up at this game, are going to show up and support our football team. Not because, you know, we're not mad about us losing games. Of course we want to see Carolina win. That's why we you play to win the game. In any sport you play, you play to win. But I don't care what their record is. I'm going to come out and support this team and support this program because I love Carolina football. So I'm encouraging each and every one of you that's listening, whether you're a season ticket holder, whether you're a Carolina fan that lives in the vicinity of Chapel Hill, lives in the state of North Carolina, come out to this game if you can get a ticket. Please support this football program. Support this team. Because the last thing we want is for nationally televised people from all around the country watching this game at Kenyon Stadium, Saturday night, primetime 7 o'clock matchup against an ACC Coastal Division rival. And they look up and they show the stands and there's about 30,000 people there. We can't have that. We can't have that as a fan base. And we're gonna all, people are going to be complaining on Twitter, message boards, whatever it is, if the stadium isn't full. Fans are going to be complaining about, oh, there's nobody here. Oh, nobody cares about Carolina football. Oh, look at this crowd. Look how disappointing this is. When they're sitting at home on their couch when they had an opportunity to come to the game and support the Tar Heels. So my biggest thing is, from a fan perspective, as I go on this quick little rant, if you're not a part of the solution, then you're a part of the problem. So my biggest thing is, if you have an opportunity to come to this game, come to this game, please. Do not sit at home on your couch and watch this game. Come experience a great atmosphere at Carolina. Come be a part of a great atmosphere, a great game day experience at Keenan Stadium. Help build that up and stop sitting at home and complaining about how bad it is, about how poor it is, and making excuses for why you can't come to the game. This is a nationally televised game at 7 o'clock on a Saturday. Nobody's doing anything at 7 o'clock on Saturday. You have an opportunity to come. It's not like it's a Thursday night game where you might have to work, get off work late, whatever it is. Saturday night, 7 o'clock, come out and support the Tar Heels. That's all I got to say about that. (laughs) Sorry to go off on that rant real quick, but sometimes you just got to get it out because I've been going to Carolina games for a long time and you you start to notice trends with the fan bases. They continue to struggle or... You know, even when we've had great years, even 2015 when we were really good. I mean, we weren't filling up Keenan Stadium half the time. So I don't know what it's going to take for fans to start to come out, but please come out and support the Tar Heels. Please come out and support this football program. Like I've said in every single podcast I've pretty much done about the football team, these guys work their butts off every day. I don't care what you 
feel about the coaching staff. I don't care how you feel about Larry Fedora, if you want him fired or want him to stay. Come out and support the student athletes recruited by this university that love the university just as much as you do. Come out, support these players, because if you support them, I guarantee you they're going to play a lot better than if it's a if they're playing in an empty stadium at 7 o'clock at night because, you know it, if you played sports, it's a lot easier to play and get hyped up when you got guys behind you, a crowd behind you that are supporting you. But on that note, going to go ahead and end this podcast. Thanks for listening to the Virginia Tech preview. Hopefully next week we'll be coming back with a better podcast and talking about a Carolina victory and an electric atmosphere at Keenan Stadium on Saturday night. But unfortunately, it's a waiting game now. We'll just have to wait and see and see what happens to these Tar Heels this weekend as they take on the Hokies in a big, big Coastal Division matchup. As always, I've been your host, Jacob Turner. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.